Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Would you open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel 21? 1 Samuel 21. Now, you know, in today's age of preaching, you're supposed to always have a catchy title for each of your messages. So I have thought and prayed about this long and hard, and so I have a really catchy title for this particular message tonight. It's called, We're Going to Teach Through 1 Samuel 21. Okay, so... And, and it's only 15 verses, so it couldn't possibly take me more than three hours. So you guys are good. You're, you're all good tonight. Oops. Oh, close that door. Lock it, please. All right. Well, if you remember last time, uh, David began to go basically into exile because King Saul was out to kill him. And so even though David was the anointed king of Israel... At this time, he could not yet claim his kingdom. In actuality, scholars differ, but this period of time before he was allowed to take the throne was somewhere a minimum of 10 years. Most think it was around 15. Some even think it was 20 years that David had to wander around, find places to hide, to stay away from Saul. So it was a long period of time, but Interesting, during this period of time, and if you're a note-taker, you might want to write these down, but David wrote many of the psalms that he wrote during this particular period of time. Uh, These are the ones that are attributed to him during the period of time when he was in exile. Psalm 7, uh, partial Psalm 11, uh, part part of Psalm 13, um, part of Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Psalm 25, Psalm 31, 34, 35, parts of that, 52, 54, 56, 63, 64, 142, 143. Parts of those are all of those during this time. And I I think that's pretty amazing as we begin to see what David went through during this time. And in fact... Two really important psalms, uh, or parts of psalms that David wrote during this time were quoted by Jesus. That's Psalm 22.1 and Psalm 31.5 from the cross itself. So imagine that, that David wrote these during that time. And it kind of helps you, I think, to realize what was going on and, and helps us to understand David. And, and again, as we're going to speak to him, being a man after God's own heart tonight. So let's pray one more time before we get into this study. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you have worked so mightily in your people and given us your word and the examples that we can look to and learn from. So I pray tonight, God, that you would just teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Samuel 21.1, it says, David went to Nob, the city of Nob, to Ahimelech the priest, who, by the way, is the great-grandson of Eli. And, of course, we learned a lot about Eli's sons, but the neat thing is his great-grandson, as you'll see, turns out to be quite different than Eli's sons. Uh, Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone 
Why is no one with you? Okay, I got through one verse here, but we got to stop already. We have to ask ourselves a question. When David went to flee, why is it that he went to Nob? And it says specifically that he went to Ahimelech, the priest. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons that we could look at and say this is why he went. Number one, the tabernacle was located there at this time. And I think the tabernacle and the, the symbol of the tabernacle was pretty important to David. It was also a city full of priests. Um, so he was fleeing to a place where I think he felt he could take refuge, that it was going to be safe. And not only that, but um, we find out here that, that David actually uh, had had previous experience with Ahimelech. So he went to Ahimelech specifically. He realized that the city of Nob was a good place for him to go and seek God. And we know that David believed in seeking God through the priests and the prophets, and we see that throughout his time. But in 1 Samuel 22.15, Ahimelech says to Saul, as he is getting questioned by Saul about what we're about to read, he says, was that day the first time I inquired of God for him, speaking of David? Of course not. So that we know that some other time, David must have gone to Ahimelech and inquired of the Lord through Ahimelech. That was the common practice. That's what they should do. When they wanted to seek the Lord, they were to go into the priests or prophets and seek the Lord through them. And so David had done that. So right away, in this very first verse of 1 Samuel 21, we're reading about David fleeing from Saul, and there's a great application for us immediately. And that's this. David was in a tough spot. I like to call him a pickle because I'm an old baseball guy. He's in a pickle. You know what a pickle is? Yeah, it's when you know, you're going to get run down by one of the infielders, and so you run one way and try to get him to chase you that way, and then he throws the ball and you go the other way, and you're back and forth, back and forth. You're in a pickle and you're trying to get out of it. And that's where David was at right now. He was in a tough situation. And so what we find that he did is he fleed to a place where he would able to seek God. This is a good thing, to be at a place when you're in a tough spot in your life to flee to a place where you can seek the Lord, wherever that place may be. Psalm 7.1 says, O oh my Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. Psalm 11.1, 1, in the Lord I take refuge. Psalm 16.1, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. You see, David encourages us to do what he did. And that's when we're in tough spots, we want to come to a place of refuge. We, you know, when we're in that place of refuge, oftentimes that's where we can take time to reflect on the situation. And we can take time to reflect on the truth of God's Word and how to apply it to the situation that we're in. I don't know about you, but when I come to the Lord, I always feel safe in His presence. And sometimes, even when I'm in my quiet time, you know, and you look up at the clock and you realize, oh, i got to get going, but you're like, I don't want to go. Because you're in that place of refuge, that place of safety, that place where you're able to reflect with the Lord. 
Now, sometimes we find ourselves in these pickles through no fault of our own. In this particular case, it wasn't really David's fault. David had been upright. David had been righteous. He had done right by King Saul. This was not a pickle of his own making, so to speak. But other times, as you know in our lives, we find ourselves in those places because we put ourselves there. And oftentimes it's because we've strayed a little bit from the Lord. Amen? And we find ourselves in those tough situations. But the thing is that whether it's of your own making or, or whether it isn't, either way, when you find yourself in that place, the application here is flee to the Lord. Go to Him for refuge. Go to Him for help when you're in a time of need. Whether it's your own making or not, He is not going to cast you aside. If you know you've strayed, go to that place of refuge and the first thing you want to do when you get there is confess. Tell the Lord what you've done. He already knows. Confess. And then be ready at that point in time because what does 1 John tell us? Not only does He forgive us of all our sin, but He does what? Oh, see, most of you don't even know it right off. I know most of you would be able to say, yeah, First John tells us if we go to him and we confess our sin, he forgives us our sin. But guess what else he does? He cleanses you of your unrighteousness. So when you're in that place by your own making, you flee to the Lord and you confess and you let him cleanse you. And then once he has cleansed you, you want to be ready to commit your ways to him once again. We all have to do that at times. When we have found ourselves wandering we have to confess, and we have to feel that forgiveness. We have to be cleansed. And we just commit our ways to the Lord again. Okay, Lord, here I go again. I want to start again. I think back, and I really asked the Lord for some other example. I didn't want to give a personal example because I give too many of those up here. And then I have to you know, expose how weak I was as a Christian during times of my life. And I hate doing that. But it's the truth. So I... I I was in a place in my life, I was about 20, 21 or so. And I wouldn't want to say I really strayed a lot from the Lord, but I wasn't in church regularly. I wasn't in fellowship like I should. I wasn't spending time in the Word of God. And I was really struggling just to live life, to make a living. I had just quit college because I couldn't afford to go to college and work and work and go to college. It just wasn't happening. Um, you know, finances were tough. And then the job that I had taken, I got laid off. And I just really didn't know what I was going to do. I was really down. It was so bad, I had to move in with my grandparents. Okay, now, you, you, to you, going, well, that's wonderful. Well, no, you don't know my old Italian grandfather. For the first 10 years of my life, I thought my name was Stupido. Okay, so, and I had to humble myself and go in and move in with them and I went and took another job that I hated so bad I quit after three days. And I was really, really down. And the night that I quit the job, the, the evening of that particular day, I decided I'm going to the church. If nobody's there, I just want to go pray. But I need to go seek the Lord. And the Lord is so awesome. I got there. And a bunch of the guys that were in the young adult group there uh, just happened to be at the church. And they go, hey, what are you doing here? And I go, well, I just came to pray or whatever. And they go, 
well, hey, we're going to go to this coffee shop, this Christian coffee shop tonight. Want to go? And I go, yeah. So they drove me down. We drove all the way to Hollywood. Hollywood uh, First Presbyterian back then was a place that had this awesome Christian coffee shop, one of the first ones ever. I don't even remember who was playing, but I remember every word of every song he sang just pierced my heart. And I remember just being in tears, listening to God singing to me. I went to that place of refuge, and I found the Lord at that time. If you would, turn over to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Starting in verse 1 of Psalm 25. David says this, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great." You know, I pray that you'd make this your psalm, your prayer, when you find yourself in that time of trouble and you go to seek refuge in the Lord. Read this psalm and make it be your prayer to the Lord. All right, the rest of verse 1. Ahimelech, who by the way is also sometimes called Ahijah, so you don't get mixed up. Um, again, we have to stop right here. What does it say Ahimelech is doing when he sees David? He is trembling. So that brings another question. Why is Ahimelech trembling? Well, he says something to him. He says, why are you alone? And that kind of clues us in. See, Ahimelech must have been thinking, something is not quite right here. I mean, here's a guy, he's the, he's the son-in-law of the king. He's in the king's household. You know, he's a great warrior, and yet... He's coming here to me alone, and that's not a normal thing. He may have heard that David was fleeing from Saul. We don't know for sure. doesn't seem like it as we read on necessarily, but he may have. And of course, one thing that says maybe he did know is because everybody knew that when Saul was angry, he was crazy. Everybody knew that. So Ahimelech might be thinking... David's here alone. Something has to happen there. Saul's angry. I'm trembling. I'm a little scared here. But still, Ahimelech responds to David in verse 2. It says, David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. So David lies. He flat out makes up a story to tell Ahimelech about why he's there and why he's alone. Now, you know, this really, it's somewhat puzzling. Because it seems 
that David fled here because he wanted to inquire of the Lord. But maybe he really didn't. Maybe he just fled there because he knew it would be a safe place. We don't know for sure. And he may have, with this statement, been trying to protect Ahimelech. Knowing that if Saul found out that he was there, then Ahimelech could deny that he knew anything David was doing because David told him this story. That may be possible. We don't really know for sure. But the truth of the matter is, is there's going to be severe consequences for this whole charade that David put up here. And you'll see that in chapter 22. So we look at David and we say, you know, David, why did you lie to the priest? I mean, I know sometimes we kind of put measure in that. So we shouldn't lie to anybody, but especially to the priest, right? I mean, that's like coming up and lying to Pastor Michael. We're going to do that. I might lie to my friend out in the sidewalk there, but not to Pastor Michael. I'm not going to do that. I mean, we need to think about the fact that, you know, David was still very, very young at this time. And we know that at times he was very courageous. We watched that happen when he slew Goliath. And he had a lot of faith. He knew God was with him. But what we're seeing here is that David wasn't always so courageous. He wasn't always so strong in his faith. And he was young and he was still somewhat spiritually immature. In this particular case, it seems like David has been trusting in his own schemes. Remember, he kind of made up a story for Jonathan to tell. And he, you know, he kind of devised this whole scheme. And it doesn't look anywhere like he went to the Lord and said, Lord, what should I do here? Saul's trying to kill me. It seems like he just began to devise his own schemes as how to protect himself in this situation. And remember, he's already had spears thrown at him a couple of times and he was able to dodge him. God had already taken care of him. He'd protected him. But he comes up with this scheme. Well, in any case, the result of this is going to be disaster. And you're going to read about that in chapter 22. But it's interesting that despite this, and I wonder if Ahimelech kind of suspected David wasn't telling him the truth. You know, it seems like a fishy story. But the interesting thing is that Ahimelech, great-grandson of Eli, is going to still remain loyal. And, and I don't want to get too far ahead um, into 22, but we'll find out that Ahimelech was so loyal to David that he defended him before Saul, and it cost him his very life. Well, getting back to um, what took place here, and I lost my place here, so now I've got to find it again. You guys forgive me for that? Um, no, we're not there yet. That would be too fast to get to verse 3 yet. Uh, <laughs> um, so, David comes up with his own schemes to figure out what to do here. He's, he's gone to the place of refuge to seek the Lord, but he really, it doesn't seem like he does that. It seems like he continues to come up with his, his own scheme. And you would think, actually, that David would learn from what took place in here, but we know that he really doesn't learn from this situation because we know later on that he does this once again and he comes up with a really bad scheme after he commits a sin. So David doesn't learn from this situation. So application number two is really pretty evident for us to see. And that is when we're in that time of trouble and we go, we seek refuge, we need to ask God and seek God and inquire from God and ask him for a plan and not to devise our own scheme. I don't know about you, but you know I've been in that place and I've devised lots of schemes in my life without seeking God's guidance and direction. And they usually turn out to be the same kind of disaster that happens 
right here. You ever been there? You ever been in that place where you were devising your own scheme to get out of a situation? If you ever have, I mean, you guys are not nodding your head. I'm getting really nervous here, like I'm the only person that's ever done this. Well, so how do you know if you're really just devising your own scheme? Well, David gives us a good rule to follow here. If you have to sin to accomplish your goal, that's your first clue it's not a very good scheme. Okay? It's your first clue that it's a bad plan if you have to sin to accomplish it. Now, I know that we've talked a little bit about that sometimes a lie is, in a sense, okay because it's for the better goal of saving a life, right? We've talked about that. But remember, David wasn't in the immediate situation of, of being life-threatened here. There really was no reason that he couldn't have told the truth to Ahimelech and sought God's guidance here. He had time. Saul wasn't right on his heels. So it wasn't that situation. You know, God may have showed David a much better way to take care of the situation that he was in. And if you're in that situation, and maybe some of you are even in that right now, and if you are, I hope this is speaking to you. You need to drop that scheme and go to God and figure out what God wants to do. Now, this case in particular, I'm not going to give you a personal example. I've done enough of those here, okay? But um, you might consider this. Consider the actions of a a soldier in the Civil War. He was kind of uncertain as to what to do because, you know, in the Civil War, once you stepped out on that battlefield, your life expectancy wasn't very long. So he came up with a scheme. He figured, I'm going to play this safe. And so what he did was he dressed himself in a blue coat and gray pants. And then he tiptoed out on the battlefield. And he got shot from both sides. That was a bad scheme. That was not a way probably that God would want him to do it. You see, God's always got a better way than our schemes. And sometimes when we're going to the Lord and asking him for that plan, sometimes the reason we don't follow his plan is because we don't want to wait for an answer. Amen? Waiting is the hardest thing, and sometimes God doesn't give us an immediate answer. Sometimes we must wait upon the Lord for the answer that he wants to give us to help us out of the situation. A drowning boy was struggling in the water. On shore stood his mother in an agony of fright and grief. By her side stood a strong man seemingly indifferent to the boy's fate. Again and again did the suffering mother appeal to him to save her boy, but he made no move. By and by, the desperate struggles began to abate. The boy was losing strength. Finally, he arose to the surface, weak and helpless. At once, the strong man leaped into the stream and brought the boy in safety to the shore. Why did you not save my boy sooner? cried the now grateful mother. Madam, I could not save your boy as long as he struggled. He would have dragged us both to certain death. But when he grew weak and ceased to struggle, then it was easy to save him. You see, oftentimes the reason that we have to wait on the Lord is because we still want to do it our own way. We want to do it on our own power. We want to figure it out on our own. And it isn't until we cease that struggle that God sometimes moves. So we need to wait and we need to cease the struggling. So if we think about this and we put application one and two together, 
when you're in a time of desperation, a time of trouble, the best thing to do is to run to the Lord, seek refuge, and then seek His direction, wait upon Him, and then get away to proceed out of that situation. And it's interesting because, you know, God will work. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. Thank you for listening to Living Truth Radio today. Excited that you've joined us. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing here. And please keep us in prayer. We have some uh, exciting open doors for new radio stations. We have some exciting opportunities for some new time slots. And we could really use your prayer and your support. If you can give to the ongoing ministry of Living Truth Radio, we'd deeply appreciate it. It takes funds to be on the radio, and we're not a huge congregation, and we appreciate the support that we get from radio listeners. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. If you're anywhere near the Inland Empire and you don't have a home fellowship, you're not connected with a local church, we'd love to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. The radio ministry that you hear Monday through Friday on your station or on the weekend is really just a extension of the normal pulpit ministry in the life of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And for those of you who are out of state or out of our area, we consider you family members as well. Uh, Living Truth certainly doesn't replace your local church, but we know you listen and we know you're praying for us and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support that you give to us, the encouragement, the emails that you send. We, we deeply appreciate it. And we know that even when you don't send an email, that you are still part of what's going on and part of the listening family. And we, we appreciate you and we look forward to interacting with you again. If we can be of any help to you, send us an email or a message through the website, livingtruthcorona.org. Or you can call us Monday through Friday. We're here 9 to 5 Pacific Time at 951-735-2856. God bless you. Thank you for listening and we'll catch up to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program And we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, I want to invite you to visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org to get more familiar with our church fellowship. If you live in the Inland Empire and don't have a church home, come and worship with us. We have a wonderful church family that meets here in the city of Corona. Our service times are 9th and 11.15 a.m. You can get more information about that at the website. That's livingtruthcorona.org. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.